0: Hello, welcome back to Anime on the Sea to Sky. Uh, This one's going to be a little bit of a quicker, more succinct episode. I'm kind of getting this uh, ready in prep and on a pre-record, considering that I'm going to be going on quite a trip for the majority of July. And even though I will have my mic, my laptop, and more than enough stuff to keep me occupied, as well as ideas and inspiration along the trip, I thought I might as well at least get one into the backlog just in case I won't be able to find any time in the middle of me flying, driving, and walking around the various places uh, along the East Coast. But at least for now, there's more than enough of stuff has popped up over the past week or so, considering that this weekend in particular, at least at the time of this recording, was Anime Expo, and there was more than enough new projects and announcements and things that were essentially going through and getting everybody else hyped for the majority of the stuff that's going to be coming out in 2023. Except at least for one thing in particular, which I'm definitely still just getting sick and tired of hearing announcements for, which is, you know, coolly grunge and shoegaze. Considering my relationship with Progressive and Alternative being honestly one of my least favorite anime experiences of all time... The fact that they were making two more of these which i know i've already gone through at length in previous episodes and it's just awesome so you're bringing the pillows back to provide music for both of these series that's the prerequisite that is the bare minimum of what you're going to be lining up anything Fool to related so i mean just I'm sure you're announcing that. It's probably the only thing that I'm going to be relatively positive about considering any of this stuff that's going to be popping up over the next year because at least I'll be able to listen to it on Spotify probably if they do the same kind of release schedule that they did with the previous Progressive and Alternative. But it's just, I don't know. I think I've already gone through it at length. If I had to choose between Progressive and Alternative, I'd probably go with Alternative, but that's honestly choosing being stabbed with a rusty needle or going through a used... Because honestly, deciding between the two is either getting stabbed with a rusty iron needle or a used needle. So it's just, it's literally pick your poison. was not really much that I could go through. I did kind of enjoy and used the music tracks, at least from The Pillow's new album, especially when it came out for the prerequisite into Progressive Alternative. Sure, but even though they're going to be attached to this project, it's still not going to get me invested. It's still not going to get me excited for anything that's going to be coming out of this franchise at all. I'm probably just not even going to give it an opportunity. I'm not going to give it a watch unless the internet explodes and being like, oh my god, it's the second coming of Fully Coolie. This is what we wanted all along. This is always what we were expecting and what we were excited for. Unless the initial reactions are so overwhelmingly positive that I have no choice but to legitimately go and check out what everybody is getting excited and hyped about. This is definitely just going to be left by the wayside. And sure, I'll listen to the album on Spotify, but that's about it. Let's see. Crunchyroll was actually going through a couple of uh, adaptations and announcements that are going to be getting anime soon. And so one of them is Tomo-chan, which they decided to translate as Tomo is a girl. Amazing. it's So succinct. You guys really got down to the marrow of it in terms of this fucking uh, four coma gag manga. Well, it's not it's not really a gag manga. It does have a progressing storyline that goes through and honestly when i jumped into it in 2017 and watched it as it came out week by week i was definitely invested in. i was enjoying the interactions between the characters mostly between misisu and carol even though tomo and junichiro are the two that mostly get the spotlight and everybody else around them is like good additions to match their chaotic energy and it's honestly something even though that's i'm trying to remember if it's like six or seven hundred chapters long it's still gonna be like it's still more than a quick enough breezy read especially considering that every single one of the chapters is like a page where it's just a strip and that's it so i'm honestly kind of excited to see where they're going to be taking this and how the adaptation goes i'm not going to keep my hopes up because it's mostly comedy It is definitely, even though romance, the majority of it has been popping up between the two mains, animation when it comes to comedy anime is definitely not something that you need to prioritize. As long as all the jokes land and as long as the direction makes the jokes pop off the page and make them even funnier than they were previously, that's all I can really look forward to. And even though I'm not really going to be excited for this, I know that there's going to be definitely a good group of people that are going to be excited about solo leveling, which is going to be getting an adaptation it's a manhwa, I believe, since it's adapted from the digital comic series that was published on Tappy Tune. That's definitely been going on for a good number of years, and it's like, I don't really know how much. I can't remember if it's a video game or if it's an isekai or it's, it's something related to that, but I do know that there are a good group of people that are going to be excited about this one, especially Giga 2, considering he was one of the only people that I saw like giving praise and giving like good recommendations because it was so up his alley that there's no way he would have put it down and it's going to be A1, so A1's definitely kind of like a mixed bag, but we're just going to have to wait and see what happens there. Although I was kind of happy to see that we finally got the first preview and trailer for the Trigun Stampede anime. From what it looks like and what from people have been talking about, it seems like it's going to be a prequel to the manga storyline, considering that this features a much younger Vash, one that's seems to be a real physical force and a presence but his bounty is lower and he's also rocking a much not a much too different hairdo but something that's definitely been added through thanks to the fade i don't really know what i'm going to be thinking about this i mean i really loved the original trigon adaptation i still haven't read through the manga even though i've heard nothing but good things about um rampage not Rampage, Badlands Rumble. That was... <laughs> well, that was the film, but then Stampede was the official name of the manga that it was going through and adapting, and considering that Studio Orange has not made a bad adaptation yet, I have complete and utter confidence that this is going to be a really good and fun and interesting time once it comes out in 2023. And now I guess the final biggest meme piece that has gotten everybody excited, because not nobody was really expecting this to be popping up and going through, but... Studio Trigger has officially announced a new panty and stocking with garter belt project. That's gonna be nuts. It's I, it's definitely so weird considering that I've I still haven't seen the show like it's one of in the Twilight eras of Gainax uh, when it came out in 2010 but I'd heard nothing but good things about the dub and how just vulgar and brutal it is especially when they compare it to the likes of the Black Lagoon dub you know that you're gonna be in for a good time. So yeah I'm really curious to see how this is gonna pop up. It's They've announced the project. I wouldn't expect it to come out, mm, like, it, at earliest fall 2023. But if anything, I'm going to guess for a 2024 release date. But it's just, it is a meme come to life, considering that this is actually going to be getting what we don't know was going to be a second season. We don't have, it's probably going to be a continuation off from where it ended. And the reason why I call it a meme is because of the guy. one of the, like, classic tropes of the Gynax ending that they ended up pulling. at the end of this first season because what was it 13 episodes everybody is like really curious to see where they're going to be taking this uh especially with how the first season ended so i'm really excited i'm gonna have to go through and give this a watch once more concrete news and a schedule has been popped up for this uh show's coming so now i guess i'll get through i did already talk about the fifth element for a chunk of it i believe since this past week has been Really eventful, um, more so than I thought, considering how I was able to go see Fifth Element on a Sunday night, uh, like inside of one of the indie theaters that was uh, playing around here. And it was one of the most dynamic and fun experiences I've had with a film in a long time. It is just off the wall, incredibly fun, a lot of energy, a lot of good jokes, a lot of good action, a lot of great characters. It was just, uh, it was fantastic all around. I still think that Ruby is just one of the most energetic and infectious and chaotic characters I've ever seen put to film. And Chris Tucker does a fucking fantastic job in bringing his energy to the screen. And oh my goodness, it was just a delight every single time he was going through. But it's, I mean, the movie knows exactly what it is and what it wants to be. Definitely makes sense that the script uh, was penned by, I can't remember if it was the director or the screenwriter, but it's like, oh, you know, this is something that I've been toiling around in my brain since I was a teenager. And it's just, you know what? Yeah, it kind of shows. But with the amount of polish, with the glorious matte paintings, the really good use of practical and CG effects inside of this film, everything just pops with a vibrancy that you don't necessarily see a lot nowadays. And I don't know. I just had a really good time with it. It was really fun. I really enjoyed it. And there's definitely something that I'm probably going to be going back to. If I ever have like a crazy recommendation to give to anybody to like have on a good night out now something unfortunately that I wasn't as crazy for and share something that gets me a little bit disappointed because it I'm just going to add it to the list of Disney plus miniseries that completely and utterly disappointed me for the majority of the time and it didn't really justify its existence except for a handful of scenes and that is Kenobi. So I watched the first episode with my dad. It was fine for an introduction because you knew the stakes, you knew the character. It was fun to see Ewan McGregor reprise his role, considering that if there's anything that I can at least give this uh, entire production is that the actors and actresses are doing what they can with the script and and with the actions that they're given. Because there's not really a lot of good inside of the script and inside of this you know, kind of storytelling. They did what they could, but a lot of the times I was just tilting my head and just being like, why Why is this happening? I understand that we need to get from point A to point B, but there's just so much, you know, thin strips coming apart at the seams that just don't make it for an enjoyable experience because i'm always just asking questions and you're always like why didn't this happen what like why is this happening why can't they just walk through this why couldn't they have just given this scene a little bit more extra time to breathe and a little bit more thought so it would be able to f- seamlessly like flow naturally from one you know set piece to the next it just did not feel like it either had the time or it had enough people inside the writer's room to like work around the pieces that they were trying to show off because we I understand like the first episode was incredibly slow I guess I'll put out a spoiler warning for this now because I'm going to at least say the things that I did like about it and the majority of that comes down to the relationship and the interactions that we see between Vader and Obi-Wan because everything else is just filler and like non sequiturs and just all complete and utter nonsense I don't know. It's just the the idea of what is happening inside of the scene definitely doesn't meld well together with its execution. There is just so much that I didn't really want to like sit through. The only way I got through this series was having a better playback speed. I watched the first couple of episodes on Disney+, and then I immediately jumped ship to somewhere else because there's there was absolutely no way... I would have to go through the next five episodes of this series at one time speed. It would have been a drag. It would have... Been, like, there was there's no way I could have survived this on normal speed. So it's just seeing Kenobi get into the cockpit for one last ride, one last mission to save Leia, everybody's just fucking jumped on, like, how ridiculous the Leia chase scenes are in episodes one and episodes two and episodes three. Leia gets kidnapped twice because why the fuck not? There was like a good chunk of the action, especially in episode four, where it was just they're trying to rescue Leia for the second time, and they rip on the, you know, the underground water glass and the panes breaking to flood through the tunnels, and that was done in Jedi Fallen Order. The fact that Obi Wan shuts off the lights and kills the two stormtroopers that are guarding Leia with only the light of his uh, lightsaber to like go and like blend him in another shadows that was done in a fucking Force Unleashed trailer, so it's like. It's less of an homage and more like, hey, we're running out of ideas to make these action scenes interesting. How about we just rip from stuff that's already happened inside the universe? It's like, awesome, great. It's, it's, it's not like it's just the force. It's not like there are lightsabers and Jedi. It's not like it's something that has so much flexibility and creativity that you could give it so many other uses to adapt and meld a scene around. It's like, no, we're just gonna go back with you know previous ideas. Episode 1, like, the fact that you were introducing all this stuff, but we already know what's gonna happen, and at the end of episode 1, I'm thinking, okay, so, Obi-Wan's gonna go on one last ride, Leia's been kidnapped... I honestly understand what they were trying to pull for the stakes in this one, because it's like, oh no, Leia's in danger. Oh no, Obi-Wan is going on this impossible stealth mission where it's going to be very improbable that that he returns. If only we knew what was going to happen to all these characters, and if only there was a series and a franchise that this show was based on that could give us a good idea about what exactly is going to happen. Uh, It's... I don't know it's a lot easier to talk about something and it's much like easier to criticize than to at least add on to something or like praise it and it's getting a lot more difficult especially with the majority of these miniseries like I'm trying to think about the Marvel stuff I'm trying to think about all the Star Wars I mean Mandalorian is definitely up there especially so Mando season one Mando season two the two episodes of the book of Boba Fett where the uh, Mandalorian was in it and I guess the desert train robbery scene was also good inside of that but there's not a lot of love that I have for the Marvel miniseries. I think the only thing that I really enjoyed about any of them would have definitely been Loki because the show itself wasn't that great. In fact, it was probably one of the more boring entries inside of the list, but it did a really good job in setting up the next like big Thanos-level major villain that's going to be popping up into Phase 4 or Phase 5, I guess, if it get, if it gets there long enough. But it did a really good job in setting up that threat. And I know I'm going to go watch Thor 4 when it comes out, Thor Love and Thunder, because it's Taika Waititi. And I've loved everything that he's been a part of, especially when it came to Jojo Rabbit, especially when it came to, of course, Thor 3, which is the reason why he got this movie in the first place. But then all of the, I don't know, Obi-Wan was just so dry and, like, copy-paste for, like, some of these things Where the only thing that I'll give it credit for is essentially expanding on the relationship between Obi-Wan and, at this point, Darth Vader. Where we see glimpses of Anakin Skywalker, but definitely one that, at this point, is now too far gone. And both us as the audience and Obi-Wan finally accepts the fact that his old Padawan, his old partner, is gone, dead, and buried. And nothing but Vader remains. Because it's just... Like, exactly. What were, like, my favorite parts of this entire series? The second half of episode three and the first half of episode six. And not the not the trilogies, not those, just the episodes from Obi-Wan. Because whenever Vader was on screen, that was like, okay, awesome. Now shit's getting interesting. Now shit has stakes. Vader is just an unstoppable monster in this, especially... All of the crazy and brutal shit that he does, especially through the village in episode 3, it's definitely Vader. Like, that is so much inside of his realm and his side of his violence and his continuous drive to do whatever he needs to do to get the job done. And all the chaos that he leaves in his wake, that is Vader and how Obi-Wan is able to find the strength in order to protect somebody rather than to end their life, especially in the fight that he has between um, him and Vader, like, towards uh, the middle of episode 6, was easily—because it's kind of like The Last Jedi in that order where the majority of The Last Jedi I just disliked. There was not a lot of good to come about it, but it's it was just the minuscule character moments— That still happened inside of that movie, like not all of them, but some of them are still more than enough to like put themselves in the upper echelon of like some of the best scenes inside of the Star Wars canon. And if there's anything positive that I can say about Obi-Wan or Kenobi, like I keep just going through, but I mostly just call him Obi-Wan, is that the fight between him and Vader when it's not cutting back to the fucking ridiculous inquisitor hunting down young luke thing like when it wasn't focusing on that the fight between those two was incredibly tense even though you knew that both of them were going to get out alive even though you knew that there was no way that obi-wan was going to die inside of this battle the fight wasn't between obi-wan and vader the fight was between obi-wan and himself trying to reconcile and try to find any sort of forgiveness and apology between him and what anakin became And that was honestly one of the best scenes in, like, recent Star Wars that I can remember is that final confrontation when Obi-Wan finally gets to take a chunk out of Vader's mask and he sees the disfigured, crippled man that Anakin, in this case, no longer is. And it's just that one quote where it's just, I am not your failure, Obi-Wan. You didn't kill Anakin Skywalker. I did and that's it was perfect to like meld this it was a great way to lead into what would essentially be their next meeting in episode four new hope because that's the only because at this point Obi-Wan has finally reconciled and come to terms with the fact that Anakin Skywalker is now dead and Vader killed him and so now the only thing he can say now that Anakin is no longer there he is just going to refer to him as Darth And that's it. So at least I did enjoy that part about it. I did find once Obi-Wan and Leia got over their, like, the ridiculous, oh, I don't trust you. They're after you, let me go. And it's the, uh, the relationship that they're able to build inside of this series is definitely, like, a really good bit of cheeky back and forth, especially when Leia is able to, like, come into her own and make her own, like, choices and, like, step up in episode three where they get picked up by the, uh, I don't know, the dude really sounded like Seth Rogen. And I honestly thought I was going to find him in the credits. But unfortunately, it wasn't him. But it was just so similar to him. I I don't know, it it was going to (laughs) be, it was just a really fun exchange between the rest of them. Especially the little interaction where Leia is just, you talk like it's so natural, like it's so familiar. You knew my mother. Are you my father? And like, that's Like, that was just really, like, a good touching moment, like, trying to... Because Obi-Wan is technically, like, their godfather. Like, he was there when it all went down. So, just to kind of see that, you know, tender father-daughter relationship, like, between the two of them, it was, like, really good, and it definitely, like, builds up that kind of relationship where it's just... Especially at the beginning of A New Hope, where it's just... There is only one person in the galaxy that can help me now, and that's you. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You are my only hope. It definitely sells that's the kind of relationship that they had leading into episode four. Now, I guess I'll finish off with a bit of the bad stuff. Uh, (laughs) So, like, just all the chase scenes in episode one and two. Episode three, just, like, still, it, it had a lot of good stuff with it, and I was definitely... Like I was nice to kind of see that banter between them and then especially like Vader going through and finally making his appearance and his confrontation with not only the village but with Obi-Wan himself and then just being so incredibly savage that he would just start a fire in the middle of the desert and rake Obi-Wan's body over the burning coals where it's now it's your turn to suffer and that's so petty but it's such a brilliant moment considering that this is the first time they've seen each other in 10 years since the events of episode 3. And it's, oh, it, it was such a, oh, it was fantastic. But then, of course, it's just those tiny writing choices where it's just, okay, so he puts out the fire and then somebody else restarts the fire again. Vader doesn't put the fire out and he lets Obi-Wan escape? Okay. Because it's just, we're trying to get from one set piece to the next, but it's just so ridiculous. Uh, like, Shae Productions, like, did a really good, like, video on like why episode four was also like really shit because it's just the exact same thing that they did in star wars the clone wars but it actually had consequences and it was a legitimately tough and ridiculously chaotic job to go through and try and find themselves through this impeg- impregnable fortress but then they're doing the kind of the same thing the, to rescue princess leia again and just not being <laughs> and then just all the ridiculous sneaking around, like, the fucking homage I would like, in the most positive way I can put it, but it seemed like they were running out of ideas. Like, A, getting the water through the corridor, and B, Obi-Wan killing the two uh, stormtroopers in the dark. The fact that they tried to sneak Leia out inside of his fucking big coat, and, no, and they almost got to the edge of the fucking docking bay before anybody figured it out. It's like, there's no fucking way that nobody would notice that. Like, it's just stop stop trying to, like, write this like a fucking 12-year-old is going through. And then they walked through the incredibly populated loading bay with Leia in between Obi-Wan's legs and the coat and trying to... And poking her head out, too. Like, it's like... Like, they had to remind the audience where it's like, yeah, there's a reason why Obi-Wan's code is so big, is that's because Leia is trying to hide herself, and it's just, you guys have no fucking idea, like, how to get from point A to point B, do you? And so what was it? Episode 5, it was cool to see Vader, like, go through some Star Wars Force Unleashed, like, Force Grab shit, like, literally... Forcing a ship to be grounded after trying to take off and then ripping it, like, piece by piece to, like, dig itself into the hull. Like, that was fine, but just everything else where it's just Obi-Wan, like, I can't even remember the Dark Sister's name. So it's just the fact that Obi-Wan, like, was using the Force to go through and whisper through the blast doors, but then she's also whispering essentially treason that she's going to betray Vader, like, right next to this entire fucking squadron of stormtroopers. And you could, like, that's not how whispers work, people. They, (laughs) any one of those troopers could have totally heard you and be like, so, uh, you never believe what this bitch was, like, saying through the door. It was just crazy. They were saying, like, they were going to plot to kill you. And and it's understandable because, what was it? The other Grand Inquisitor was still alive. Vader, like, knew she was going to betray him from the beginning. It is understandable, but it's like two different times two people are stabbed through the gut i guess three different times because the fucking dark sister uh like took it in the gut when she was attacked at the jedi uh not the council but the jedi temple back in episode 3 and then she stabs the grand inquisitor in the gut and then leaves him to die in episode 2 and then she gets stabbed in the gut in episode 5 and then she just gets up and like the transition is so fucking ridiculous where it's like we're gonna leave you to die here and it's just okay so what's gonna happen to her in the next scene okay well she's going to live because everybody who gets stabbed in the gut with a saber like lives except for qui-gon Jin, so qui-gon's a, a pussy i guess <laughs> i'd like not not really but just just in the context of like all these uh lightsaber wounds in the and so she gets stabbed picks up her lightsaber and still, I don't know if she commandeered a ship. I don't know if she like went on a transport because there's definitely no way that anybody on the Star Destroyer picked her up. And she finds herself to Tatooine with the fucking broken transmitter that Obi-Wan gave to the fake Jedi who then drops it in the middle of running who then she picks up to like figure out that there's something that Obi-Wan is trying to protect on Tatooine. And it's just so like, we understand. There has to be... Like, she has to get to Tatooine so we can, like, end this show on a climax. Another climax. Because it's like, oh, yeah, like, Obi-Wan Invader's final showdown is not enough of a climax. It's like, fuck you. We need to have more tension. More pointless tension. That is <laughs> just everything revolving around her character. The actress is totally fine. She did what she could with the resources that she was given. But that script and the character that she was going through is just such dog shit. I just felt bad for her. Like, oh, my God. And also, like, do people not go for the kill anymore where it's just like, oh, yeah, no, if we stab them in the gut, they're just going to die and they'll bleed out even though all the wounds have been, all the wounds are cauterized when they get fucking hit with a lightsaber. So it's just like, what? Can you not decapitate them? Can you not cut them in half? Can you not, like, go for a quick, like, stab in the gut, drag it up a couple of inches and then pull it out so you know the job's done? It's like, no, no three separate times somebody gets stabbed in the stomach one character gets stabbed twice in the stomach with a lightsaber and they just live and she's not she's left alive at the end of the show and we know they're never going to do anything with her ever again so it's like Awesome. You didn't become Darth Vader. It doesn't matter how many other people you killed and tortured and maimed and decided to bring forth in the Inquisitors and all the other Jedi that you ended up hunting down just to go through and try to get to Vader. No, none of that matters. At least you didn't kill the boy this time. And it's just, congratulations, she's redeemed. No, she fucking isn't. What the fuck is this character? Oh my god, it's... What was it? The rest of episode 5, like, they're, they're trying to make you feel something with these characters deaths that happen in four and five kind of like something out of rogue one but all of it falls flat like none of it just does a good job in setting any tension or like getting you to feel anything about these characters it's just i don't know man like that's about it the second half of episode three in the first half of episode six like and and that wasn't even like you can't even condense that into a full episode like i i would give it like all just over half an episode's worth of good content in a six episode miniseries it's not worth it it is honestly not worth the time if anything if i can say anything that would get you to like watch part of this show at some point in time somebody's going to make a compilation of the vader and obi-wan scenes from this miniseries That is it. That is all you need to watch. That is all that can be added to this entire franchise in any kind of positive light, regardless of anything else that's going to happen. I don't know. There's a lot more Star Wars content that's going to be coming out. Uh, I mean, what is it? You had the... Oh, jeez. You got fucking Andor, which is following the dude Cassian Andor from Rogue One. And so it's just, sure, he'll be fine, but that's, I don't, I don't fucking know what they're going to be doing with that. He, he was he was a fine character in Rogue One, but it's like, yeah, we're going to make a miniseries on him. it's like, what the fuck is this bullshit? Ahsoka, I'm actually curious about because of what, uh, what is it? So Clone Wars Season 6 or the, whatever the final season was has already happened. So it's going to be post that, but I don't know how much of it's going to be, is it going to be post clone wars or is it going to be post rebels or is it going to be post episode six like in between what happens with episode 456 and the mandalorian like i'm curious how that's gonna go like that's that's one that i'm generally curious about because i don't know uh is dave filoni like a part of the writing team so filoni's gonna executive produce so he's kind of a so uh, but uh, okay but so the showrunner's john favreau And Dave Filoni is executive producer, so he'll probably, like, have some piece of the writer's room, so that's gonna be good. What is it? So, there's gonna be a third Mandalorian season, so that's gonna be good. Rangers of the New Republic is, I don't know, Lando's fine. Like, it's, there's so much, dude. A fucking droid story? What the fuck? A new hero guided by the iconic duo R2-D2 and C-3PO on a mission known only to them. Fuck that. I am... It's... There's so much, dude. It's so ridiculous. Like, so what is it? It's going to be Ahsoka, Mando Season 3, and Acolyte. Acolyte, maybe. Like, I, I don't know what they're going to do with this, but it's headed by Russian doll creator Leslie Headland. so at least she's going to, like, be able to imbue this with an interesting kind of atmosphere, hopefully, because it is going to be about... Probably Darth Sidious. I I don't know. I I don't know, man. I'm just not. It's just Mando and Ahsoka that I'm curious about. Everything else just seems like filler. Obi Wan was I don't know, underwhelming. There's not really much that I can go through, and I and I hate like being a cynical person and like having all this stuff, all this all these negative things to say about it. But it was just such a time sink that was only alleviated by the fact that I could turn the playback speed dial just a bit further up so I could go this just a bit more quicker to get through the majority of the stale scenes. It was, I I couldn't even say this was fine. Like if if you wanted me to give me, if you wanted me to like give a number to this, it'd probably be like a four or a five out of 10. Like it it was just that far below what I was expecting. And there was just not really much else to say. Uh, I mean, let's see, is there anything more positive? Well, I, I guess I could go in a little bit of a more positive light because I'm gonna be going to a convention for the first time in three years in July. That's really going to be fun. I'm really excited to kind of like go through because, you know, some buddies are coming down and they've got an Airbnb. I'm also close enough to my cousin's house. So if I've got multiple beds and multiple options to stay that are within like a 15 minute drive of the venue, it's like, I'm just excited to be around that kind of energy and that kind of vibe. And there's going to be so many other people to enjoy this experience with. And so I'm really curious to see how the majority of this is going to turn about and how we're going to... I don't know, just interact and how everybody is going to just react to all the stuff that's going to be popping up at the con. I am going to try and save as much money as I can, so it's mostly just in food and transit, but that in of itself is going to be a little bit difficult over the next couple of weeks. I'm trying to remember like what the last event I had at a convention would have been because that would have been Anime Revolution 2019 in Vancouver, I believe. And I think I cut that one in half because... It was the same weekend that a buddy of mine wanted us to go camping. And so for the long weekend, I did basically two nights camping with them. And then I drove all the way back down like a six hour drive just so I could be at the convention for like for two nights there. So it was it was quite the hectic weekend. I'm really glad I was able to like head over to my uncle's and like have a shower because that would have been like golden fucking rule where it's just, oh, yeah, be lazy. Just go camping for like two nights around, you know, a smoky campfire inside of a lake, like going around and sweating underneath the hot sun and then just go to a convention not having properly showered in two fucking days. Nope, I was not stepping in foot inside that fucking venue until it was like, hey, I literally just need a place to park the car and to have a shower because there's no way I'm gonna be like walking through with this kind of like grease. And so I remember having a good time. Uh, some old buddies from uni ended up meeting me there. And so like there was a good day and a bit that we were able to go through, like, go to a couple of good panels, see the dealer's hall, line it up. I do remember having a good time at the AMV competition, which is basically, I can't remember if it's uh, two or two and a half hours, but I'm just glad I'm and I'm hoping that there's going to be something similar out at uh, Anime North, considering how there's been more than enough of a backlog of people and all their creations and their music videos that they're going to be able to go through. So I'm really hoping to see that that's going to be like a place where I can find like one of my new favorite AMVs just like I did back in 2019. Since I really love these AMVs, but the one which had the best editing that had a really good setup, kind of like a deep dive SAO sort of deal where you had all these different uh, shonen protagonists like go and end up like fighting each other inside of this... uh, computer-generated world. It was really good, Uh, but there was one in particular that was, I believe, Expectations by Cat Milk, and it was a really simple, like, edited video, like, done to Bo Burnham's Lower Your Expectations, and it was really good in the sense that it was incredibly funny, leading into it with a lot of good romance and a lot of good shonen and a lot of good muscle and a lot of good (laughs) bodacious and beautiful women, but... It had a lot of heart, especially when it came to the last minute of the AMV, and so it did a really good job at like fluctuating those kinds of emotions and like having a lot of good pieces of depth. And even though the editing was incredibly simple, it's became easily like one of my favorites. So that was honestly fantastic, and I'm hoping I'm gonna be able to find time to go to that one as well. But for now, going to Anime North is going to be incredibly. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't want to hype it up because I know I'm going to be... It doesn't matter what any of my expectations are in the beginning. They're always going to be subverted and they're always going to be... Uh, like, it's never going to live up to whatever I think it's going to be. Even though even though we've got the people, we got the places, we got the time, we got the energy. we got the first con that we were going to in three years. All of this is lining up to be great. But at this point, there's... I don't know. There's not really much that I'm hyped for except for being able to at least meet up with the guys and like have a really good and interesting time because that's honestly the best part about cons where it's just the panels are great the vendors the vendors deal is better i it's been a while since i've like waited more than an hour in line to actually go see a guest or anything along those lines but it's definitely like having that kind of energy and that kind of um inclusiveness to bring all these people together because we all love the same thing we're all here for the same reason and everybody just wants to have the best possible time and that's definitely something that you like try to find more and more nowadays even though it's getting exceptionally rare especially for like large meetups but it's definitely something i've been able to find with these conventions and i haven't necessarily done any of them outside of Ben, and i haven't been able to do any of them outside of bc just yet, but this is definitely going to be the first time I'm going to have that opportunity because it's incredibly difficult, especially when it comes to like traveling, like far distances for conventions, because you know, there's going to either have to be an Airbnb or a hotel, and you know, those rates are going to be jacked and you know that everything's going through. So you kind of look for the pieces that make it that much cheaper and that much easier to go about. And considering the amount of family that I've got around uh, Mississauga and Toronto, and for the rest of it, it's definitely a much easier time for me to go and organize something around that, which is definitely something that I appreciate. And I'm coming up close to being on ten years. I think I've, I think this is only my ninth year. I uh, is it my ninth or my tenth? Technically tenth year, I guess, going to conventions. But it's but considering that nothing's happened in the last three, that's kind of put a damper on things. But it's just the convention energy and. The enthusiasm and everybody's just there trying to have the best time possible is definitely something that I'm really going to be looking forward to, at least. And I'm trying not to get my hopes too high for the kind of experiences that we're going to be able to go through and have at this con. But I don't know. It's tough to expect the unexpected, but there's always some kind of surprise that always like makes for the best story whenever a weekend like this happens. And you don't know what it's going to be, but <laughs> the least that you can do is hope that it's going to give you a good time. So I don't know if I'm going to be, I'm I'm probably going to make an episode with the guys because I'm going to like have a laptop and I'm going to have a microphone. So maybe we'll be able to do something impromptu when we're all there and which is really going to get me, which I'm really curious about and kind of excited to see if we can like have some kind of a group uh, podcast setting for, especially when it is the con weekend, that is something that everybody is looking forward to and everybody's excited for. So Yeah. I'm gonna see if I'm gonna be able to make anything along this trip and near the con, but at least for now, I've got this decent placeholder to like fit in through the time, so that by the time I come back, I'll hopefully be loaded up with stories and all the times that were had, for better or worse. All right, so cheers, have a good one.